Hello, film lovers. Yes, it's that time again. Sit down, relax, whap out your popcorn and pop in your headphones. It's time for the Films I Love Most podcast. film lovers and welcome to the films i love most podcast yes we're back again it feels like yesterday i was here but i wasn't here because we are in a different bunker today because the bunker that we usually use is now closed for christmas so we've had to find a different bunker and i tell you what the tea here is much better much much better let me just take a big swig of this Oh, and much hotter. Um, yeah, so in a new bunker, I've got headphones on. I feel very professional. And I've got Harry McShane in my ears telling me what to do, what not to do. And don't mention politics. Um, I'm not allowed to. If you are a friend of mine on Facebook, not the, fa- the Films I Love Most podcast Facebook page, you'll know I'm very politically active. And um, yeah, so I'm not allowed to mention politics. If I do, I am strapped to an electric chair. It will give me a little buzz if I mention anything to do with... No, I'm not going to go there. I don't really want to get electrocuted. I'm only in the doing the introduction. So, a lot to do today. We've got lots of lots of business to get on with. We've got reviews, um, movie news, of course, small screen coming up. Got a lot to talk about in the small screen this week because I'm going to do a little recap of the shows that I am watching and I want to get to know what you're watching too. Um, a very nice film I love most from someone who I've known a very long time and someone who I admire very, very much is going to be doing the films I love most today and Film Found for a Pound, which is a really good one. It's, um, it's a very dramatic film found for a pound today. Thank you very much for getting in touch with all your films found for a pound. Um, I I don't know. It would be really nice to know how much we've in, in, like inspired people to get out and spend, you know, up to a pound on films. It would be nice to know our tally so far so that we can, you know, sort of work out how much money we're making for all these really good charities out there. A lot of people message me saying, oh, I went to this store that sells secondhand films and I bought a... But that's not the objective of film found for a pound you have to buy your films in a charity shop i'm sorry it doesn't count these big stores that sell secondhand things do not count they are corporate they are business we are all about charity here at the films i love most podcast so please please if you do message me and and you say that you bought it from a business unfortunately i will not be reading them out on the podcast it's only films that were found for a pound in a charity shop that is the whole point so yeah oh i felt very stern saying that i felt like a teacher telling you off i'm not telling you off i'm very grateful for all of your communication but if we could just keep film found for a pound charitable that'd be great and uh, we have a new little segment today Woo! new segment everyone's excited i'm very excited it's called physical copy 
that's what it's called. And it's going to basically be my favourite release of the of the week or the fortnight that is coming out as a hard copy on disc, on Blu-ray, DVD, etc. I know that some people don't buy physical copies of things anymore, but I think it's quite nice to know what's coming out so you can be excited about going out and seeing it in the shops. I know that a lot of you might be looking for Christmas presents at the moment. So this will be a very useful segment for you. Um, a lot of people ask me why I don't um, review a lot of films that are streamed. It's because I never have the time to watch them. And I'm very fidgety at home. So it's very difficult to get me to sit down and watch something. But I'm going to start doing it in the new year. And we will have a new segment exclusively just for films that are being streamed on Netflix, Amazon Prime and other streaming services. And I think we're going to start... <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> I'm going to have a little of tea. I was going to say... I think we're going to start with The Irishman. Because that would be a really good one to to review and start with and I think that would be really good so in the new year we will have a new segment exclusively dedicated to streaming movies but I have spoken enough this is the longest introduction I've done I think so let's move swiftly on and get on with this episode of the films I love most podcast Someone mentioned that they were not too pleased with the changing of the Films I Love Most podcast instrumental music. Well, it's not going to be permanent. It's just going to be for a few weeks and it's going to be added to. So it's going to be seasonal. That's the point of the new instrumental music. I'm sorry if you don't like it. I do. Listen to it every week. It's going to get more and more seasonal. And then we're going to have a very special introduction music for our Christmas special, which is coming very, very soon. So I personally love it. I would like to keep it. A lot of people have said they don't. But don't worry, we're going to be changing the instrumental music again in the new year to hopefully something that everybody will love. But at the moment, just enjoy it. Sit back and love a little bit of classical. As you know, I always have, always, always have snacks. So we're about to do movie news, but I've got these really nice Christmassy biscuits that were brought to me by the lovely Harry, who is telling me to swallow and get on with it. <laughs> I'm trying. Let me just have some tea. Okay, so... God, you must be turning off in droves. So... Hello, welcome to Movie News. We've got some quite interesting things coming up. Um, for starters, do you remember that film where, like, Harrison Ford is a criminal and he runs away and becomes a fugitive? It's called The Fugitive. Well, they're remaking it. Albert Hughes is going to helm the Warner Brothers remake. And I don't think it's going to star Harrison Ford. Because he's obviously going to be off filming the new Indiana Jones film. So The Fugitive's coming... 2021 which sounds like way in the future but it's not just to let you know wednesday just gone so that would be let me get my calendar up wednesday the 27th 
that day is very significant in the film world because it now means that Blade Runner is no longer in the future. We are past the Blade Runner. Two days ago was the day that Blade Runner happened. So if you're watching Blade Runner, you've outlived it. Well done. We made it together. Not an Android in sight and no Android Wars. So I think we've done pretty well. Although if I see a scary owl, I might be uh, a little bit worried. But well done for everyone surviving Blade Runner. There you go. <laughs> okay, I'm getting on with it. Um, yeah, so you must know that I'm looking forward to Star Wars. Star Wars is going to be the big thing for me over the Christmas period. You're going to be so sick of me talking about it. And there's a lot of build-up. J.J. Uh, Abrams has been talking about the scenes with Carrie Fisher, who passed away in 2016. She will be appearing in The Rise of Skywalker using deleted scenes from the very first Star Wars reboot film, The Force Awakens. So that's really good news. And I think it's going to be lovely. I think it's going to be interesting. I think the film is going to do really well, obviously, because it's a Star Wars film. I think there's a lot of anticipation because it's going to be the last Star Wars film that Disney make for a very long time. Both um, trilogies that were planned have now been cancelled. So, yeah, it doesn't look like there's going to be any Star Wars for a long time, apart from on the television, where they'll be doing, obviously, The Mandalorian is continuing, which we will be talking about a little bit later because I'm loving it. So... Star Wars is going to be incredible. Very much looking forward to that. And obviously when we've seen it, we'll be talking about it, reviewing it, and go more in depth about what this means for the Star Wars saga because it is the end. Elizabeth Moss is one of my favourite actresses of all time. She stars as Offred in The Handmaid's Tale and she's now starring in The Invisible Man, which is set to come out in February next year. It looks very, very different to the more traditional Invisible Man story. It's got a bit of a stalker sort of race against time element to it from the trailer. And Elizabeth Moss obviously looks like she's acting her heart out and looks fantastic. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But Elizabeth Banks is set to direct and star in Universal's Invisible Woman. Now, I'm not quite sure sure if that's going to be a sequel or a continuation of Invisible Man. We will see. But, yeah, there's two Invisible films coming out. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see them, though. But um, Yes, so what else have we got coming up? Lots of stuff. I mean... Bond is coming very, very soon. April the 8th, 2020. No time to die. Uh, Daniel Craig has confirmed that this is going to be his last film, although Spectre was also supposed to be his last Bond film, so I'm not quite sure what's happening with Mr. Craig. But I think that this could be it for him. And No Time to Die, co-written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which I'm really, really excited about. I think that she could do marvels with a Bond script. Having having done Killing Eve, which has been one of the most successful films, sorry, successful TV shows um, recently. So I think that Bond is a very exciting prospect for her. I'm very excited about that. 
and I reviewed Terminator Dark Fate a few weeks ago. It bombed at the box office. The um, I think the figure at the moment is that it's going to lose out on about £130 million. So if you are a fan of the Star Wars... Not Star Wars. If you are a fan of the Terminator, then I think that your days are numbered. It is Judgment Day. I don't think there's going to be any more Terminator films after this absolute disaster. Not only was it disaster with the critics, I think I... Well, I know I didn't like it. My review was quite harsh. But it also has not done well with cinema goers. £130 million like in debt. It's got. It's not going to make a penny profit. That is disastrous. That could bankrupt a film company if they weren't so... If they didn't have so many different franchises. So that just puts it into perspective how big a disaster this has been. And I think, rightly so, that the Terminator has had its day and should retire gracefully, or not so gracefully in this case. So, yeah, unfortunately, that is the end of the Terminator. And, you know, I think not with a bang, but with a whimper comes to mind. That's it for movie news we had quite a lot this week there's been a lot going on oh if you haven't seen it yet there's a really really cute video on youtube it's the xfinity ad um which is like for the tv um streaming channel it's et and elliot get reunited and it's absolutely beautiful and really really good watch so get on youtube type in et and elliot reunite for for Xfinity ad and watch it, it's really, really good. Some of you know, some of you don't, but we have a new mini version of the podcast coming up. It's called The Films I Love Most Podcast Retrospective, and we're going to be looking back at a different movie every week. They're voted for by you on Twitter. So if you want to have your say, find us on Twitter, Films I Love Most Podcast. We'll put a poll up every week for a film that you would like to see. It will be a category. For example, the category we had first was Stephen King movies. And we had a choice between The Mist, Carrie and The Green Mile. You overwhelmingly voted, 66% of you voted for... The Green Mile. So our very first retrospective will be on The Green Mile and it's becoming very, 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 very soon. Our poll has just ended for next week. The new poll should be going up very soon. The, the next film we'll be doing in retrospective was The Choices Were, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. You chose Revenge of the Sith. So that's our first two retrospective films coming up very soon it's going to be a very unique style uh, the retrospective so please tune in and let me know what you think on facebook instagram and twitter movie reviews it's very weird doing it here i don't feel like i've completely settled in yet it's um not my usual surroundings so you have to um forgive me if i seem like a little mouse 
in a place that I'm not used to. But I hope you're all enjoying the podcast at home and I hope that this is making no difference to you whatsoever. I'm just feeling out of place. I don't like change. So reviews, we've got so, so many reviews today and I'm really, really excited because I've seen some really, really good stuff over the last two weeks and I'm sure you have as well. So if you've seen the films that I'll be reviewing, obviously you can agree, disagree and if you do, let me know on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. This podcast is nothing without you, so please, please get involved. I'm going to take a massive sip of my tea. This is, Harry, this is the best tea I think I've had in a long time. I think that your tea making skills have improved. How condescending was that? (laughs) Right then, first up is Le Mans 66. This is a film about American car designer, Carol Shelby, and driver Ken Miles, who battle corporate interference the laws of physics and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari to the 24 hours of Le Mans in 1966. I wrote all of that down (laughs) and um, I know nothing about car racing, motor racing, Formula One. I know nothing. So I went into this completely and utterly not knowing what it was going to be about. And I didn't even know what Le Mans was a 24-hour race. I mean, it sounds crazy when you think about it. It's not the same person. They have teams, but they do swap overs. But it's very, very grueling and very, very intense. Now, this film is starring the amazing Christian Bale and Matt Damon, who are fantastic together. I think that they work really well. The characters blend very well together they obviously have a lot of trust and experience and what their relationship really made the film for me Matt Damon's Carol Shelby just adored and respected Christian Bale's Ken Miles so much and you could see that admiration and there were parts in the film where yes uh, Carol Shelby's character could have fought for Ken Miles a little bit more could have you know, helped him out and stuck up for him a little bit. But in the end, you could see that trust between them. And I really like that, how that developed. It was really, really good. And like I said, being a complete novice to racing cars and Fords and Ferraris, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed this film. I thought the chase sequences or the the race sequences, even there wasn't a lot, but there was some chasing going on. Um, were fantastic, really well filmed. It was the the sound was amazing because it was like the the grind and the clunk and the you know the the sound of the wheels on the gravel. It was so well developed and the sound design was perfect. I love that. It was almost like raw mechanical raw, which is just really good. And performances fantastic. I didn't know anything about the story. I thought the story was really, really well told. Heartbreaking story, have to say that. Not a spoiler, but um, lots of twists and turns. I didn't know where the film was going. I'm really actually quite glad that I didn't know the story firsthand because I really enjoyed the film more because of that. And it was written by Jez Butterworth. Now, 
he is more well known for writing for the theatre because he wrote a play called Jerusalem, which starred Mark Rylance. I think Mark Rylance won a Tony Award for that performance. And he wrote the The Ferryman, which I saw in London and thought was absolutely fantastic. And you can see how good of a writer that he is when he's writing The Mans. It's perfectly structured. It's exciting. It's full of intrigue. Even though it's a true story, you are kept guessing right to the end if you don't know the story already, what happens. And I thought it was great. And I would recommend Le Mans 66 to everybody, even if you're not a fan of, so to speak, sport movies. I would say that there's something in this film that would appeal to everyone. So Le Mans 66, I give it eight and a half out of ten. How long we've known each other, Ken? I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. You just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. All right. Come Morning, Shelby. Morning, Molly. Up yours. I'll go to hell. That's it, folks. Ferrari wins the 24 Hours of Le Mans for the fifth consecutive year. Mr. Ford, Ferrari has a message for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. And, uh, called you fat, sir. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. So the great Carol Shelby is gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them you needed? Two or three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> Ford hates guys like us because we're different. Well, we heard he's difficult. Ken? No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. If there's a problem, the computer will find it. Get some scotch tape and a ball of wool. What are they doing? Making your car faster. Oh, Ken Miles is not a short man. We're on the verge of something. And now you tell me that I can't have the best man in the world behind the wheel? Give me one reason why I don't fire everyone starting with you. Well, sir, we're lighter, we're faster. So nice. and that don't work, we're nastier. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. You got a plan. It's high risk. I thought the whole point was to win the damned race. If this were a beauty pageant, we just lost. Looks hard, everything. It's really weird being at a different location and not being in the usual bunker but it's funny how some distance makes everything seem small got the fears that once controlled me won't get to me at all yes i am singing of course let it go well attempting to sing in general let it go from frozen and now i'm going to be giving you my review of frozen 2 
I went to see it at the IMAX in Leicester Square. I was the only person there that did not have a child with them. I did feel a little bit awkward and out of place before the film started. But then when it did start, I was completely absorbed. I thought the story was really interesting. It was actually really quite simple and intelligent and nuanced and funny. The plot, it, the narrative, I think, was just enough for an adult to be intrigued by it. But then again, simple enough for a younger person to enjoy it. It's very funny. The comedy is great. Josh Gad, who does the voice of Olaf, is a genius when it comes to comedy timing and just the little touches that he puts to Olaf's character is fantastic. Obviously, Christian Bale and Adina Menzel are back playing Elsa and Anna and Jeffrey, uh, John, sorry, Jonathan, Jonathan Goff is back as Kristoff. Very strong voice cast. Singing, of course, is impeccable. I have to say the thing I loved most about this film is the soundtrack. I think there are some absolute belters in that film. And they even match or even are better than Let It Go. There's one song that I really like called Show Yourself. And when I was watching it with the music and the visuals put together, it really did bring a lump to my throat. I thought it was beautifully done. The animation is fantastic. It just surprises me how much animation changes from one film to the next. You just watch Frozen 2 and you just think the advancement of technology and technique is is getting better and all, all the time it's just more impressive which is really, really good. It's not as good as the first one because I don't think it's as groundbreaking as the first film, but as a solid piece of family entertainment, you cannot do better than Frozen 2. I went to see it by myself because I wanted to review it and wanted to, you know, sit and take it in and not have to worry about a child crying next to me. And I really did that. And, you know, even though I'm not the target audience for this film, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I actually would like to see it again, to be honest. So Frozen 2, from me, gets a solid 8 out of 10. Far away, as north as we can go, once stood an enchanted forest. You've seen an enchanted forest? Yes, it was a magical place. But something went wrong. Since then, no one can get in or out. Wow. Papa, that was epic. What would I do without you? You'll always have me. Has Elsa seemed weird to you? She seems like Elsa. There's this voice. Voice? What does that mean? not safe. Find who is calling to you. 
They may have answers. I'm going with you. Anna? No. Excuse me, I climbed the North Mountain, survived a frozen heart, and saved you from my ex-boyfriend. So, you know, I'm coming. That's normal. Where are we? How did you get in the forest? The mist parted for us. Impossible. Where did you learn magic? Elsa, get out of there! You can't just follow me into fire. Then don't run into fire. Magic is very alluring. Without you, she may lose herself to it. Protect Arendelle at all costs. I believe in you, Elsa, more than anyone or anything. Quick question. Is the whole putting us in mortal danger going to be a regular thing? <laughs> I've read probably about 80% of Agatha Christie's works. I think that she is an absolute master in her field. I used to live in Paris. There was one bookshop in Paris that sold English books. And because I wasn't very good at French at the time, the only books that they sold were Agatha Christie's. So... For a very, very long time, Agatha Christie was the only author that I could could read. Because this was the time before I discovered Amazon Prime. And I absolutely fell in love with her as an author. I think she is an absolute genius. Her plots are great. I've never been disappointed by a conclusion. I think her best books are... The three that I absolutely adore are The ABC Murders... The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, and and then there were none. Those three are probably the groundwork for every thriller, murder mystery novel that has ever been published since. Why am I talking about Agatha Christie? Because it ties in very neatly to the next film that I'm going to be reviewing, which is Knives Out, which... I actually did see at the London Film Festival, but I didn't want to review it then because I knew that a lot of people wouldn't have seen it until its official release, which is this week. And I've actually gone to the cinema and rewatched it again because I think it's an absolute joy of a film. It stars Daniel Craig, Chris Evans. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette. A fantastic cast. Oh, don't forget Christopher Plummer, Catherine Langford. I mean, it's really, really, really well cast. I think that this is going to be a new jumping on starting point for the murder mystery. I think this has really raised the game. I used to love the film Clue when I was younger with Tim Curry. There is definitely like a feel to Clue in this. So Clue was based on the popular board game Cluedo. It's definitely in here. But what Knives Out does really well 
is it takes a genre which has had many incarnations and twists and turns those incarnations almost like taking different colors of play-doh and putting them all together and just mixing them in with each other to make this perfectly formed model of a movie you've got murder she wrote in there you've got Columbo, which plays a huge part in the narrative and storytelling. And then you've got Agatha Christie and you've got Sherlock Holmes. It all comes together so well. The narrative is really, really well done. I mean, I watched it again. Mind you, I know the whole plot from watching it at the film festival. But there were things I was seeing again that went, I went, of course, oh yeah, that's so clever. I wouldn't have noticed that the first time round. I'm so glad that I watched it again. And it really takes you on a journey where you have no idea where your destination is. And that is very rare in a film of this kind. Usually about a quarter of the way, halfway through a film like this, I'm like, oh, well, I know where this is going. But with Knives Out, it really is the windiest road. And performance-wise, it is so well done. It's done with such conviction. Everybody in that film throws themselves into their characters. And Rian Johnson, who wrote it, well known for writing Looper and The Last Jedi, the the film, you know, Star Wars film from before. And he just does such a good job with this film. I love Jamie Lee Curtis in it. She's this sort of grandiose, bitchy matriarch of this family who loves her father. And then in the very first scene, you find out that her father has committed suicide, or so everybody thinks. And that's where the plot develops from. I love Knives Out. I want to see it again. I think that I could watch this film at least once a week and be happy because it really is such... A clever, classic genre movie with some really neat 21st century twists. So, I give Knives Out 9 out of 10. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? The party, pre my dad's death, oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live. I you think one of his family walls killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, oh eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. Gonna fly. Something. Spill it. I suspect foul play. 
have eliminated no suspects. <laughs> I'm gonna build, 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 until I... It's a twisted web. We are not finished untangling it, not yet. What is this? CSI KFC? Next up in film reviews, okay, I'm going to try and review this film as objectively as possible without being sick in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> because I would say that the last two films we're going to be reviewing in this podcast, I've never felt so much emotion watching these films but negative emotion. Now, the films are brilliant. Not negative against the filmmaking at all, but as in the emotional content of the films really had me squirming in my seat. And this film in particular had me nearly have to leave the auditorium to go and throw up. So <laughs> the film I'm talking about is Judy and Punch. Now, Judy and Punch is set in a town called Seaside, uh, probably around the time of Shakespeare, so about 400 years ago. Seaside, um, even though it's nowhere near the sea, there's a really clever mention in the film about Seaside that it was thought that the oceans would come to Seaside and in, you know, in time the ocean would rise and the the sea would sort of come up and meet the land, which obviously it won't because seaside is in the middle of a landmass. There's a lot of superstition and sort of witchcraft in this film, which we'll talk about in a minute. But so puppeteers Judy and Punch are trying to resurrect their marionette show in this archaic town which is in the brink of mob rule. So there is a policeman, a constable within the town, but he's completely lost control of it. People are being hanged and stoned to death. There's a quite a dark comedic scene at the beginning of the film where um, Punch and Judy are walking through the streets and everyone's going, happy stoning day, happy stoning day, happy stoning day. And they're all given stones to go down and stone three women that have been accused of witchcraft. It's very, very dark. Uh, the humour in it is is as black as night. It's um, yeah. I mean, to to my taste, it went a little bit too far in that respect. But at the same time, I've never seen anything like it. So, in my mind, at least it was doing something different and something bold. Uh, Damon Herriman, who plays Punch, you'll hate him. I mean, his character is absolutely despicable and he plays it so well. And Mia Wasnowski, who plays um, Judy, some of you might know her from playing Alice in Alice in Wonderland. She plays a very, very different character here. Um, something quite horrific and stomach churning happens halfway through the movie, which completely changes the dynamic of the two characters. And Judy ends up alone in the woods, joining a merry band 
of exiles knowing that she must go back to the town of seaside to enact her revenge at some point the film is like i said probably the most unique film i've seen this year i've not seen anything of that genre and anything that has been that brave to do what that what this film does saying that though I do think that it owes a lot to films like uh, Blood and Satan's Claw and even The Wicker Man in some respects. Um, any film that features a witch. <laughs> I mean, The Witch is probably a film it, it is the closest to. But this is really a Me Too film set 400 years ago. I really love the female characters in this movie. I think Mia plays Judy with such conviction that you are rooting for her the whole time, even though she commits some acts that are very unpleasant. Not once did I not think that the people that were receiving these grotesque punishments did not deserve them in any way, shape or form. So in that way, it's really good. The narrative, the plot, I mean, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers, but it had me gripped and not once did I think, okay, I don't believe this. This film has lost me. I don't I don't believe in its narrative and its characters. I believed in them all the way through. And I did enjoy it, even though for me it was very raw and very real I don't know what there was something in this film that really got to me and you know what is film if it's not to get a very strong emotional reaction from you so yes Judy and Punch is out now and I'm gonna give it eight out of ten ladies and gentlemen professor punch I'm an artist Greatest puppeteer of his generation. It seems some folk are getting squeamish around here. <laughs> Stop stoning women! <laughs> All that nonsense. Happy stoning day! You have to stay on the straight and sober. Can you do that? Where's the baby? Hunch! Where is she? I sit her down in one place, and she'd wound up in another. What's done is done. I suppose we just move on with our lives. No! That's the way to do it! They've come to report a crime. Right, excellent. My dear wife and tiny baby are missing. Do you remember what happened to you? Does that little punchy guy always win? You won't be winning anymore. The greatest show is what the critics say. Mm. <laughs> Witches!
This next film is going to be my film of the week. And it's not released in the UK till January, but there are some cinemas that are showing it as special presentations around London and the UK. So if you can get to one of these special presentations, please do, because this film is incredible. And it's Parasite. Now, Parasite is a Korean movie. It's probably, probably a horror movie. Probably a romantic comedy. It might be a thriller. I'm not quite sure if it's a full-out laugh-out-loud comedy, even though there are moments in it that I think are comic genius. This film is such a mix of genres, I can't even tell you where it fits. So, all unemployed. So, Kaitak and his family take particular interest in a wealthy and glamorous family called the Parks. Um, and as they integrate themselves into the lives of the Parks, they get entangled in an unexpected incident. Now, I'm not going any further with the plot because this is a film that you really need to go to knowing nothing. I wouldn't even watch the trailer if I were you. It's one of those films that demands repeat viewing, but you need to go in with a complete fresh palette when it comes to this film. There are moments that will make you gasp, make you laugh, make you cry, make you want to leave the cinema because it is so intense that's what the thing about this film that's what i would say it's intense there's this sort of building horror and building tension within the movie that you just think to yourself i've got nowhere nowhere to go i can't escape this film i have to watch it i have to watch it to the end but i'm not sure if i would survive <laughs> i was pretty much three quarters of the way through the film thinking I'm not sure this film is good for my health, but it is probably one of the best things I've ever seen. And as the film progresses, you get to know some of the characters a little bit more. Every character in the film has their time to shine, even though it is quite a large cast. There are very, very strong messages in this film, mostly to do with the class system. Mostly to do with, you know, fairness and equality within the community, whether it's the community in Korea or anywhere around the world. This has particular resonance with the UK, I think, which is why I feel this film affected me so much. There is a lot of social commentary in this film. And I think that you can either watch it with that head or you can watch it as a complete and utter thrill ride. I think that if you watched it with your social commentary head on, then I think that there is a lot to take out of this film and a lot to think about. If you just see it as a thriller, I think you'll really, really enjoy it as well. This is Parasite. It's out in the UK on the 7th of February, but there are a few cinemas and screenings around the UK going on now. And I'm giving Parasite... 10 out of 10. Let's shrink that screen down now 
and let's talk about the small screen. There's a lot going on. There are some absolutely fantastic TV shows out there at the moment. I know a lot of people that are addicted to The Crown. If you're watching season three on Netflix starring Olivia Coleman and Helena Bottom Carter, I hope you're enjoying it. I certainly am. I am two episodes in and it's glorious. Although it is a little bit strange watching a film about or watching a TV show about the uh, royal family when the royal family are not having the best of times at the moment. So you're almost shouting at the screen. By the way, keep a check on Andrew. But, <laughs> oh, I'm being told off in my ears. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so the things I'm watching at the moment, I'm watching The Mandalorian, the Star Wars TV show. Fantastic, really, really good. The narrative is getting stronger and stronger in each episode. But the thing that sticks out for me is Baby Yoda. It is possibly the cutest thing I've ever seen on screen. I want one. It's on my Christmas list. I'm not quite sure. I'm being optimistic at the chances of getting a Baby Yoda. But if you have seen The Mandalorian, you will know what I'm talking about. If you don't, if you haven't seen it yet, get on Google, type in Baby Yoda. Your heart will melt. It's absolutely adorable. But <laughs> apart from that, it's got a really good story it's very unpredictable. It's very Star Wars. I would say it's probably the most Star Warsy film we've had since Return of the Jedi, even though it's a TV show. I keep calling it a film. It's a TV show, but it's so cinematic that my brain just can't compute that this is a TV show. Uh, yeah, so probably the best Star Wars story since Return of the Jedi. It's absolutely fantastic. It's gripping. I've got no idea where it's going. And I I think it's an absolute winner for Disney Plus to have launched with this TV show. It's fantastic. The only way is up. I've got another episode to watch tonight and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, Watchmen. Actually, no, let's go Walking Dead. So The Walking Dead has just hit its mid-season finale. It's... A lot of people have given up with The Walking Dead, but I'm really glad that I haven't because I'm really, really enjoying the new series. And there is something, you, you feel it's building up to something. And we've got the Whisperers as the main villain at the moment, which are terrifying. Um, Elizabeth Morton playing um, Alpha, probably one of the scariest, most menacing Walking Dead villains that we've had. The idea of humans wearing the skin of the dead so they can walk amongst them is is grotesque and brilliant and very effective there's a build up to characters leaving we've had um a character death recently in the first half of this season season 10 which when i saw it i nearly dropped my cup of tea because it was genuinely really shocking and very clever. I love it when they do that. The twists in The Walking Dead are getting better and better. A lot of people have, like I said, have given up on it. If you have given up on it, go back to where you left off and start watching it again. Because it really, really, really is rewarding. And there's a lot of exciting things coming up with The Walking Dead. There's a couple of movies coming that was, is going to have Andrew Lincoln returning as Rick Grimes. Which is really interesting, seeing he was 
well, everyone thinks that he's dead from the previous season, but he's not. We all know that he survived. So it's basically Rick's adventures from the moment that he left the TV show and he's going on to do his two movies. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be great. So, yeah, get back on The Walking Dead because it is very rewarding. Uh, Castle Rock is, again, one of the most brilliant shows on TV. Castle Rock is basically the Marvel Universe for Stephen King. It brings together a lot of Stephen King's characters, his novel creations, and brings them into one narrative. So this season is concentrating on Annie Wilkes, who, if you don't know, is the main character in the book Misery, played by Kathy Bates, who won an Oscar for it. I mean, amazing. So... The story is a mix between Misery and Salem's Lot, although it's not, but it is. It's very, it's a very, very odd combination, this one. Uh, I'm not quite sure where the story is going to go, but it is a hell of a ride getting there. There are some really neat twists and the performances are fantastic. It's, you can tell a lot of care and a lot of love has gone into this series. Tim Robbins returns to the world of Stephen King. He played Andy in The Shawshank Redemption. He's playing Pops in this new season, which is great. Lizzie Kaplan, who plays Annie Wilkes, is... I mean, it's a masterclass in acting from her. Her character is almost instantly recognisable as Annie. How you remember her from the Kathy Bates portrayal but she's really made it her own the twists and turns with her character are very well thought out and we had a prologue to her story in one of the I think it was episode five and that was great it was almost like the origins of Annie Wilkes and I really really loved that because you watch Misery and you think, what kind of world, what kind of sort of childhood did this character have? And in Castle Rock, it shows you in a really, really interesting way. So if you haven't seen Castle Rock, get back, watch season one first, because even though it's an anthology series, you will benefit from watching the first series and getting into the sort of the motion of the show and getting to know the town and the characters and the layout it's really important to do that. And then when you watch season two, you'll be absolutely blown away. So yes, Castle Rock. Right, now we'll do Watchmen. <laughs> so I hadn't read the comic of Watchmen. I I didn't know much about it at all. I started watching the TV show and then episode five happened. And I thought, wow, there is so much lore and mythology in this show. I need to go and read the comic and really get to know it. Because I I think that I will benefit more if I know the characters and know the world in which these characters exist in before I start re-watching the series. So I did that. <coughs> Excuse me. I went and watched um, the motion comic, which was on YouTube. Absolutely fantastic. It's the comic brought to life in animation. Thoroughly enjoyed it, thought it's an absolute masterpiece, although I am really late to the party on this. It really, really, really is one of the best pieces of 
artistry I think I've ever seen in comics. And I just love the world in which The Watchmen exists in now. Going back and re-watching the series, everything clicks into place. And I'm enjoying it so much more than I did before because I know the characters and I know the situations and I know those little nods and those little winks to the comics. And it's really enriching my experience of watching Watchmen. So I would say that if you're interested in watching the series... Go and have a look on YouTube, find the Watchmen motion comic, watch it. It's quite long, I think it's about six hours, but it's in 30 minute chunks and you will enjoy the the um, TV show much more because of that. Or you already might be a huge Watchman fan and you might just be waiting to see the reviews of the Watchmen TV show before you dip your toe in. Well, let me know what you think because I'm thoroughly thoroughly enjoying it and that is all from this week's small screen now it's time for our very new segment called physical copy in which I mention a release which is coming out within the next couple of weeks that I'm very excited about and I'm sorry if you're not a horror fan but it's going to be a horror movie again this week and it's going to be The Exorcist 3. Now The Exorcist 3 was written and directed by the original Exorcist writer William Peter Blatty and came out in 1990 and stars George C. Scott as Kinderman. Now, Kinderman was the policeman at the end of The Exorcist, and he's in the book, so he's a very known character in The Exorcist mythology and comes back in The Exorcist 3 as the lead role. And this was a book first. It was called Legion. And this also brings back the character of Father Dyer, who is... Karis's uh, best friend in the original Exorcist film. Now it's being released by Arrow Video. I'm very excited. I've got my pre-order copy. I believe it's coming out on the 9th of December. It's got a lot, and I mean a lot, of special features. So if you are a fan of the Exorcist movies, this is a special edition coming out on the 9th of December of The Exorcist 3. And that is my very first recommendation for physical copy. Don't forget that we have a Christmas competition going on at the moment. Yes, all you have to do is go through the past episodes of the Films I Love Most podcast. And there are one word clues hidden through these missing episodes to my favourite Christmas movie. Now, if you can decipher the clues and let me know on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter... Or email me at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. You could be in for the chance of winning a Christmas stocking full of film goodies. So that is all you have to do. Go through past episodes of the Films I Love Most podcast. Find those one word clues and then just email me at the filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. Or message me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter with the answer to my favourite Christmas movie and you could win that fantastic prize. Good luck. 
Now, like I said at the beginning of this episode, the person who's going to be doing the film I love most this week is a very, very special person to me. I've known them a very long time. In fact, I've known them since birth because, yes, it's my sister, Katie. Take it away, Kate. My favourite film is (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I have loved Scooby-Doo ever since I was a child. Uh, This film is funny, it's got mystery, and it just absolutely captivated me when I was a child, and it still captivates me now, Um, and I would give anything to be part of the mystery gang and have a dog called Scooby-Doo. So as you can probably hear, we have very different tastes in movies. (laughs) No, I mean, Katie has been a Scooby-Doo fan since she was a kid, and now she's in her mid-twenties, And hasn't quite grown out of it. We've all got that one thing that we can't quite shake off from her childhood. And I love Scooby-Doo. I mean, the original TV show. I mean, I grew up on the Scrappy-Doo episodes. They were repeated when I was younger. So I always thought that Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo were, you know, the bee's knees. Um, A lot of people don't like Scrappy-Doo, which I think is really unfortunate for them. Because I think he's joyous. But the Scooby-Doo movie is, uh, like Katie said, her favourite of all time. I do remember sitting there watching it with her. And, you know, it's a good film. I mean, you've got Freddie Pinch Jr. in there. You've got Sarah Michelle Gellar playing Daphne, uh, Buffy herself. You've got um, a couple of other actors that have never been heard of again. Um, Isa Fisher plays Mary Jane, who's sort of the love rival for Fred in the movie. Uh, Sorry, yeah, you've got Freddie Pence Jr. who plays Fred. And Matthew Willard, who plays Shaggy, which is really weird for me to see these days because I've obviously grown up with him playing um, a role within Scream, Stu, and... You know, his character in that film is very quirky, very interesting. Um, There could be some shaggy in that character, I suppose. But then recently I've seen him in Twin Peaks The Return, where he plays a headmaster who is shamed for the... Well, he's framed for the murder of his lover. So his character has a very dark, sinister quite grotesque story arc in Twin Peaks. So to go back and watch him playing Shaggy is like, eh? This guy is an amazing actor. He's very versatile. It's fun, you know. It's, you know, set up the the Mystery Inc. uh, group break up and the gang sort of like are individually brought into an island resort where they have to, like, investigate strange goings on. The plot is very simple it's it's effective it works i'm not really a fan of sort of adaptations of classic cartoons into film i think sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't i think if you look at films like the flintstones the first film worked quite well but then it just went completely downhill there's a scooby-doo sequel to this film that starred pretty much the same cast which was you know pretty amazing that they got them all back to do the sequel even though it completely and utterly flopped it did not do well at all but there is a new scooby-doo film coming out called scoob 
and it's an animated film and it looks like it's got quite a well thought out concept so it's set when Shaggy first meets Scooby when they're little and they sort of it's the origin story of Scooby-Doo and they sort of grow up together and you see how that works out you've got Zac Efron playing Fred which I think is genius because he's a gorgeous beautiful human being as you could probably imagine that the real Fred is Uh, Mark Wahlberg's in it Amanda Seyfeld Jason Isaacs is playing Dick Dastardly yeah Dick Dastardly in the new Scooby-Doo film so that's going to be interesting so yeah Gina Rodriguez is playing Vel the voice of Velma these are all voice casts so obviously being an animated film it's not animated like the old Scooby-Doo films were it's more a computer generated animation which is you know fine looks good I think Kate's going to enjoy it. Um, I'm not sure. It's coming out on the 15th of May 2020. So it looks like something that I'll be going to see on my birthday rather than hers. But yeah, Scooby-Doo, the original film. It's fine, Kate. You know, you love it. For that, I'll give it 5 out of 10. That's being generous. But I'm really looking forward to the new Scooby-Doo film coming out in May 2020. Film found for a pound, doink. Yeah, film found for a pound. And this week, it's a great, great film. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I watched it last night just to give a little bit of a refresh. It's as shocking and relevant as it was when it first came out. The concept behind it is scary. It's um, almost... Handmaid's Tale-esque in its sort of concept. Director Alfonso Cuaron, obviously very famous now for Roma and Gravity and so on. So, yeah, this week's film found for a pound is Children of Men. Children of Men stars Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Michael Caine. It's got such a strong cast. The story basically is in in 2027 um, in a chaotic world in which women can no longer have children. A former activist agrees to help transport a miraculously pregnant woman to a sanctuary at sea. And that's Clive Owen's character who has to do that. So, yeah, it starts off with the death of the youngest person on the planet who's 18 years old and the whole world is in mourning for this person and then it's thrown into this political thriller the government um, organizations that are trying to keep peace and prosperity within the communities and then this pregnant woman shows herself and becomes a symbol of hope but then can also be a symbol of rebellion and is they want to use this girl to sort of for their own political ends and Clive Owen's character decides to protect her and try and get her to a sanctuary on a boat at sea the film is 
gritty, it's violent, it's relevant, it's very, very well made. The colour palette of the film is always grey and dark and dusty and you can really feel the the pain and the desperation that the people in the film are feeling that the characters are going through there it's probably well known for its tracking shots there's one tracking shot that i believe lasts for about nine minutes so it's a shot it's a single shot sort of chase through the ruins of a town and there's explosions and it's you know there's cars blowing up and people being shot and it's it's crazy it's a really really well choreographed sequence and um i it, it's just amazing so um in the, like the street battle where Clive Owen he has to take cover in a battered building uh caused concern for the studio because it took 14 days to prepare this one shot uh, with a delay of five hours every time it had to be reshot. So it was shot over the course of two days, but only one complete take was actually captured on the film. And in the middle of one take, some blood splattered onto a camera lens. And you can actually see that in the film. And writer and director Alfonso Cuaron nearly ruined this take by shouting cut. But his voice was obliterated by the sound of a tank and gunfire. Uh, looking at the footage, the cinema, cinematographer persu- persuaded Caron to leave it in, and that this is and this is the shot that appears in the final movie. So it's incredible that nearly didn't happen. They would have had to reset five hours in between to do each reset. Isn't crazy? But in the film, it's so effective and it looks awesome. And the conclusion of the film really leaves you on a note of mystery, which I really like. I like that when it's done in film. You know, you can't be spoon-fed all the answers. You have to go away from a film and then sometimes you can put your own interpretation to it or you can sort of come up with your own answers or conclusion to the story. I have my own conclusion to the way that Children of Men ends. Not many people will, will agree with it, but I think it's it fits all right into the story for me. So, yes, Children of Men, um, you can pick it up. Um, obviously, you can get it from charity shops for a pound because a lot of you have been. So if you haven't seen it, I would definitely seek it out because it is one of the gems of 21st century cinema. And I give it 10 out of 10 because it is an absolute masterpiece. Wow, we got through a lot in that episode. That was epic. So from two weeks from today... We start our Christmas countdown. There's only two, one more episode and then it's our Christmas episode. So we're very, very excited here. This podcast is nothing without you guys. So please get in contact with us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and tell us what your favourite Christmas movies are. We're going to be doing a top 10 Christmas countdown on the Christmas special of the Films I Love Most podcast. And just get in touch. What are you watching? 
What are you watching at the cinema? What are you watching on the small screen? I want to know because, you know, I'm in a bit of a lull at the moment of things to watch. So I would appreciate any recommendations you can give me. And of course, it's lovely to hear from you all because you're my film lovers and I love you. So that is it for this episode. Please, please, please have a lovely couple of weeks. I hope that the Christmas shopping and the and everything else, Black Friday and all these different events that are going to be going on don't cause you too much stress. Remember, it's meant to be the most wonderful time of the year. No stress, guys. It's been lovely to see you all and speak to you all again. And I will see you next time on the Films I Love Most podcast. Goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search Films I Love Most podcast. (laughs) 